welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. I'm ready to jump straight in. Uh, today's a little bit different. Um, I'm doing the same message uh, as I did in the previous service, but you're not going to get... So I'm, I'm covering 10 questions today and I did five in the first. So I'm going to do five now. So essentially you're going to miss out on five. For those of you that are list people and like it all in order, just it's time to mess up your world a little bit. We're not going to start at question one. We're going to start at question six. If you want to get the details of one through five, you're going to have to listen to the podcast or listen really fast when I do a recap at the beginning of the message. Uh, but you're probably not going to be able to write it down. But nonetheless, we're looking at this whole thing of defining your destiny. Uh, we started a few weeks ago uh, uh, looking at the whole subject title of discovering, defining and following your destiny. Uh, I think I started off in week one with enemies of your destiny. Carolyn came out and smacked it last week with seven things that flow out of your destiny, seven resources that flow when you understand your destiny. And so we did that firstly to get all the stuff out of the way and get us motivated. But today we're looking at defining our destiny. And so for many of you, I hope, especially if you've been in church for a while, you already know what your destiny in God is. Big broad strokes, we all know that we're called to eternal life, right? And that's what we're pursuing. Like we're not just living for now. We're we're living for eternity. But then along the journey, we understand that we are unique. We're all unique. We we change the word from special because uh, to say I'm special just doesn't sound right anyway. Uh, but we, we, we are unique as individuals. We have unique callings that God has given us individually. And that's part of our faith-filled journey towards that destination. And so once you discover what on earth you are here for, once you discover your purpose, which is your God-given purpose, then everything just seems to flow. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy but you can kind of hold on to peace in the midst of a storm. You can work through exhaustion because you know you're supposed to be doing this thing. Actually, today I've come to, um, to uh, give permission to some people and take some permission off some people. I heard a story from one of um, our key leaders, pastors, who was uh, ministering to someone recently. No, a long time ago. It was a while back, right? And a couple and the husband basically was in the uh, emergency care line of work and he was sitting there in a depleted, depressed state because he found that he was only feeling like buoyant and purpose-filled in moments of extreme emergency where it was life-threatening. But mostly he was working in ER with headaches and tummy bugs and other lower triage issues and he would find those days depressing. So sitting on the couch in front of a minister of the gospel, sharing these things and she has this great thought. She says, what if it's your purpose you were put on earth by God to be there in the moment of people's emergencies, to rescue them in that moment and share your faith with them in that moment? What, what if it, the reason why you don't find yourself motivated and inspired when you're doing those lesser things is because God called you to do the critical things to rescue people and save people's lives. It set them free from depression. They went on the path and now they find themselves in those zones all the time. See, I'm here to also help the husband or the wife who is a go-getting, driven, marketplace people who person who just believes they're put on earth to 
kick goals. I'm here to set the 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 the, the, the husband free who's who's pouring in hours right now, working through a project that is bringing him to the place of exhaustion. And on the other side, he's got a wife who's praying out of concern. I think he's just a workaholic and he needs to be set free. No, no, he's probably put on the planet by God to make projects happen and bring them through to the completion. And at the end of it, he'll be able to enjoy a holiday and provide for some great kingdom advancement ideas and things going on. And and all you need to understand is we're wired differently. God has put, if we can define our destiny, if we can clarify it, you'll find that things will flow out of it in a powerful way. And so we're going to look at it today. Is that okay? Because I think it's really amazing uh, when, you know, pastors, leaders get together and pray. We did here on uh, Wednesday night at our carers meeting. It was fantastic. It was a great deposit put on the inside of me. But I would expect that we would encounter God in this place, wouldn't you? It's a place of worship, a place of ministry. It's, it's what should happen. I like it even more when I hear of marketplace people having encounters with God on the side of the road during their work day because God is showing up and breathing on what they're doing and confirming, hey, you're on the right path. I'm here with you. I'm coming with you into this meeting and I'm going to make it successful for you because you're following my plan for your life. If you already know what your destiny is today, and these teachings will give you confidence, increase your faith, faith it will kill confusion. And I think like never before, we need to find things that will kill confusion in our life because one of the enemy's ploys is to put confusion in so he can paralyse you and stop you being powerful. If you have not yet discovered it, then obviously it's going to be helpful for that. You know, these 10 questions, um, one of the mistakes that can be made is we can find the answer to one and it can inspire us and motivate us and we can just run off with that. But actually, if you take the time to answer all 10, that's where clarity will come. That's where you'll know exactly, I am put on the planet for this thing. And, you know, my life, which is spiritual and eternal, can become earthly and powerful and affect others because I've got this mission that I've been given by God that I can follow every day. Bishop T.D. Jakes, he says that they, uh, in moments like this, when you're defining your destiny, when you're discovering it, it takes both heart and head, not heart alone. You'll notice that some of these questions are heart orientated, while other questions are head orientated. You need both. Too much heart, you're going to have zeal without knowledge. Too much head, you're going to get all puffed up and not be grounded in the areas of love and other things. I like what he says. He says, intellect can describe it, but only instinct can find it. If destiny in its roots is your destination, then instinct is your transportation. It's your GPS guided system that helps you get to what you were predestined to. Don't you think that's powerful? So here we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. I want to look at this verse. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as His own inheritance. Before we were even born, He gave us our destiny, that we would fulfil the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan 
in his heart. Can I encourage you that you were put on the planet to discover your destiny, not decide it. You were put here to discover it, not decide it. Because here it says, through your union with Christ, you are God's inheritance. He's claimed you. It also says that before you were born, he, de- he had a destiny for you. And so it's our job when we land on the planet and find God and God finds us to actually discover the thing that we were put on earth for. Desire reveals design and design reveals destiny. So I, I think this is really powerful. When I look at my grandchildren, I look at my children growing up, I look at kids in kids' church. You know that little girl that just takes over the play date and she's just got to tell everyone what to do, where to sit, how to do it. And, you know, some parents could walk in, some adults could walk in and say, oh, I'm going to take, she's just, we've got to change that. We've got to stop her doing that because, you know, that's wrong and everyone needs to have a turn. No, 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 no. That, 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 that right there, that little girl that's taken over the play date, she's probably going to be the future leader. And it's just being revealed there by the desires. Um, I'm not saying it kind of um, justifies bad behaviour or anything, else, but let them have a strong personality. That, that, that child that cannot stop playing with toys and motorbikes and cars and those kinds of things, that, that's revealing something of desire that actually connects to the design, which equals the destiny. You see, your destiny is decoded in moments of decision. And that's why we get into questions that kind of speak right down to the core. So we've got 10 of them. Haven't got time for all 10 in this session. I'll recap the first five quickly and then we'll get into six to 10. Is that all right? So the first questions was, uh, question number one is what is your driving passion? Uh, no, what, what is the deepest desire of your heart was not question number one. Number two was what is your driving passion? Three was what flows out of you naturally. Like I said, you can either get the podcast from the first service to go through the detail or get along to Connect where we have actually trained our leaders there, helped our leaders go through these in detail. Number four, where do you produce great results? And number five was what's the witness of the Holy Spirit in your spirit? I'm going to start here in John chapter 16 before we go on to question six. Are you okay about that? Here it is, John 16, 13. But when the truth-giving Spirit comes, He will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He won't speak His own message, but only what He hears from the Father. And He will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. You need to know that the Holy Spirit has been given to you individually as a follower of Christ to reveal stuff to you. And this is not just for spiritual things, it's also for natural things. I believe in your workday, in your career, in the thing that God has called you to, He's gonna show you things to come and as a sign confirm that you are on the path that He's called you to. So what is the witness of the Spirit? It, It is a stop and a go. It is a yes and a no. It is a left and a right that He wants to give you in the everyday moments of your life so that you can be confident that you're following destiny's road. So question number six is what we're going to jump into next. And uh, this is, I'm glad I'm talking about this in the 10am service because you guys are the real strong ones, huh? 
You can handle it. Eight thirty crew, they've not really woken up yet, not, but you guys can handle it because this is where the questions get really, really interesting. What do mature Christians see in you? What do mature Christians see in you? Because you see, when you begin to discover what you're really called to, you've got to be able to sort through the stuff that may be fantasy orientated and not so much dream orientated. You know, kind of like this, kind of like this. I was watching at a great celebration last night, people on the dance floor dancing and just admiring how free they were, how in touch with rhythm and all the moves they had. And I'm sitting there kind of going, I'd love to be able to do that. And, you know, if I, if I was inclined that way, I, I, I could have maybe got up and had a crack at it. Just would not have come off well. <laughs> Even in the pre-Christ days, I tried to do it with some substances to help me. Didn't go well. You know, I have this desire to dance and to be groovy and whatever, but it just doesn't flow out. I am not designed that way. It's nice to joke on that side of things, but, you know, in life, sometimes we've got some people that that have this kind of desire to do this thing because they see it in someone else and it looks like it would be really fun and powerful. But actually, you're just not designed that way. It's never going to flow naturally out of you. You're always going to be kind of not quite hitting the mark. And that's why this question, when it comes to what do mature Christians see in you, that that's a really powerful question to get answered. Um, we had to look at what a mature Christian might look like in today's world because um, we discovered as we started a chat with our team that sometimes people are going to other Christians who they think are mature to get some counsel and what's coming back is not so mature. Obviously, it's going to be in line with the Word, but even in today's world, that can be debated on what it might actually look like. But here's some things I think are helpful Mature Christians ask you hard questions. I'm thinking about a verse in Proverbs that says that faithful are the wounds of a friend. And that kind of shouldn't be misinterpreted there. What it really says is mature Christians that we go to, they have no problem asking the hard questions. No problem asking maybe even the painful questions that are obvious but people aren't ready to answer or ask. It's, they'll ask the question based upon eternity. They'll be eternal minded. They'll be repentance orientated. I think every time I've sat down in this, I can remember a number of years ago going to my spiritual father on something we believe God had spoken to us and he actually had and it was right. And we were just about ready to run. And he said, you know, son, that's, I see that but. And most times we don't want to hear the but. But the but was right. And it, it saved us from a big detour. Do you know what I'm saying? It kept us on the path. And to listen to that feedback, it's always powerful to be able to hear from someone that's further down the track in Christ that can give you some life experience feedback before you jump the gun, so to speak. Question number six is, what do mature Christians see in me? Question number seven, what do you sense the peace of God about pursuing. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15 in the Amplified Bible, it gives this great insight. It says, let the peace of God be the umpire of your hearts. I like that. 
let the peace of God be the thing that blows the whistle on your life and says, no, hang on, you're getting out of bounds there. Come back on track. Let, let the peace of God be the umpire. Because I think like that uh, emergency care provider, paramedic probably, um, we can think that this thing that we're doing on a daily basis doesn't have eternal connections and uh, divine purpose in it, but it actually does. And so to make a dramatic shift at the wrong time just because you haven't made the little adjustment can be a big mistake. I do believe that what God has called you to and gifted you to will have an impact now and for eternity, but it'll also attract into your life the resources that can fuel the actual journey that you've been called to. Those resources that flow that we heard about last week, you know, the fact that motivation is so overrated. Like I love motivation, I really do. I love the buzz you get from pre-workout when you just need a little bit of extra lift, but pretty soon the pre-workout's gone and you still just got to do the sweat. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And I want to know that I'm sweating in my everyday life towards the right things that God has called me to do because it's there, it'll show up. I can right now see myself as most of us like to see 30 years ago because we're a lot younger, but anyway, I can see myself at BP Refinery in Quinana. We've just pulled out of the refinery. I'm driving this really old um, protective coating truck. It's, that's a nice sounding name. It, um, it, the, the truck was so hard to drive because it had what they called a joy box, which was two gear sticks to change gears to get through all the gears you had to get through. And at one point you had to change from high to low and to do that, you had to take both hands off the steering wheel so that one could be on one gear stick, the other on the other gear stick while you changed gears and jumped the box over. That's why it was called a joy box. It was like so stressful to do. But because I'd been grown up in that kind of deal from the farming days, I could do it without thinking. And while I'm doing it, I'm talking to this guy sitting in the seat alongside me who uh, he knew I was a, a, a Christian. He knew I was a crazy Christian, radical in those days, just got involved in being youth pastor. And so while I'm doing all this and we're driving down the road and he's kind of distracted really. He doesn't know, but he's being distracted. And he's starting to pour his life out to me. And as he's doing that, and I'm driving the truck, I'm actually, I get a prophecy for him. But he doesn't know church life. So I didn't use my King James, these and thou's that we were getting in those days. I didn't say, thus says the Lord. I just said, you know, what was his name? What was his name? Uh, young Italian. Yeah, anyway, his name. Uh, I just said... I, I just said to him, you know, I, I, I just really see you in this way. You are powerful in this way. And even though you maybe don't feel so confident in these things and maybe you feel a little bit reserved in these things, I, I just started to speak what the prophecy was saying to him. And then I finished changing gears because it was a big deal. And we got to the straight road and I looked across and here's this guy with hard hat and Monogoggles on in those days, and he's pulled the monogoggles down, tears are streaming down his face. And next I noticed the presence of God has filled the cabin. And I didn't turn to him and say, Oh, what's his? No, his nephew. Uh, I, turned, I didn't turn to him and say, Oh, do you feel the presence of God? 
I didn't do that. That is weird. Like I would slap, no. Uh, no, I wouldn't. Yes, I would. I'd slap you if you did that. And it unlocked a whole bunch. I believe there's moments like that for everyone, every one of you. You could be climbing trees. You could be doing um, inputs on bookkeeping, accounting. You could be a lawyer sitting in an office having a conversation. It doesn't matter where you are. I believe there's those God moments for you as ministers in the marketplace that will give you this ability to go, you know what, it's okay to do this thing that I'm doing because this is where God has put me so that His divine purposes could not just be unlocked through me, but actually so that I could make up the whole big part of the story that God says, this is the great Southland of the Holy Spirit and I have my part to play in writing history that will actually shape eternity. What do you sense the peace of God about pursuing? What's impo- question number eight, what's impossible to put out of your mind? It, the, the thoughts, dreams and passions that you go to sleep with and you wake up with, that even when you try to forget about it and you achieve it for a few days, eventually you find yourself back in that space when you feel like, you know what, no. I, you become a Marolo who says, you know what, I know someone helped me get off out the street and into housing, but I just can't put this away even though I'm doing really good now. I have to do something about helping others every day of my life getting rehoused when they find themselves without a place to live. Are you with me? There's a great movie that I started watching on Netflix and I didn't realise at the time that it was based on the true story and I think it's called Wishman. And it's about a, a cop who gets into a bad space and gets himself into a bit of trouble and he gets back on track when he encounters a young boy who's terminally ill and he gets to show him around the precinct and do some other things and he ends up starting a foundation to make little people's dreams come true when they're facing critical illness. We now today know it as the Make-A-Wish Foundation, an incredible organisation that's impacted our own personal family as well. But it all started from this guy that had this dream that he couldn't put aside. And it's interesting that he was only involved in it for the first two or three years that he handed it over and it became as big as it is today as he handed it over to somebody else to take it into the future. What dreams are impossible to put out of your mind. You wake up with them. You fall asleep with them. You attract people that are passionate about it. You know, it's interesting that the Scripture says in Acts chapter 2 that God gives us dreams and visions. And yet today the enemy's trying to take dreams and visions off people. Mums and dads, older folk, grey-haired folk like myself, we, we must not be the kind of people that when we hear dreams and visions being spoken about from our young generation, stuff that we don't understand, just because we don't understand it doesn't mean it's not sent by God. It can make a difference. It can change history. It can be the thing that can unlock the power that is necessary to turn lives around. What's impossible to put out of your mind? Number nine. What can you give 100% of your life to? 
That shouldn't be such a scary question, actually, because right now you are spending 100% of your life for something, for something that is purposeful or possibly purposeless. What can you give 100% of your life to? In those years when I, that story earlier about the protective coding industry that I used to work in, I, I, I seen myself doing that at that moment for a very long time until a few months down the track after waking up early and being the first on the job and finishing late and being the last one to leave the plant at night, I suddenly realised that not only was I first on the job and last to leave, but so was the owner of the company. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, one day it'd be great to be the guy that owns this place. And instead of uh, me making money for him, I could have all these people working for me, making all that money for me. And then I looked at the boss who was there in the morning before I got there and still there at night time. And 30 years ahead of me, I thought, one day, nah, dang that. That ain't all that good. Because he's been doing this for 30 years longer than me and he's still the first one here in the morning. And the last one, what can you give the rest of your life to? Because you're going to spend it on something. You need to spend it on something that's worthwhile, that'll stand up the test of eternity. Incidentally, let me just remind you, it's not about answering one of these questions. It's about finding the right answers to all ten. You will define it. You will clarify it. It will add confidence and faith to everything that you're doing. What can you give 100% of your life to? And the final question, which does sound like a ministry question, but I believe this also works very powerfully in the marketplace What do people want to help you achieve or accomplish? What do other people want to help you achieve or accomplish? Can I take you to the Bible? Acts chapter 16, why don't you turn on your Bible or turn the page in your Bible? Whichever, I'm going old school today. I'm actually turning, look, real book. Come with me to uh, verse 6 of Acts. Chapter 16, the Holy Spirit had forbidden Paul and his partners to preach the word in the southwestern provinces of Turkey. So they ministered throughout the region of central and western central Turkey. When they got as far as west as the borders of Mysia, they repeatedly attempted to go north into the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to enter. So instead they went right through the province of Mysia to the seaport of Traos. While staying there, Paul experienced a supernatural ecstatic vision during the night. A man from Macedonia appeared before him pleading with him, you must come across the sea to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had his vision, we immediately prepared to cross over to Macedonia, convinced that God himself was calling us to go and preach the wonderful news of the gospel to them. You could miss the point here. I won't let you because I'll explain it. 
when we are asked the question, what do other people want to help us accomplish? Just like here in the days of Paul, Paul had the vision. Paul had the encounter. But those with him interpreted his vision as God speaking to them. They had said just there, after you had it, we were convinced that God himself was calling us. Paul has the vision, but here all these co-workers say, God was speaking to us through the vision. You know what? There are things that God has called certain individuals to do and others are going to get on board in helping you because of the God vision that it is. There are some people in the room today and you say this, I don't have this specific call and vision that I know from God or see. We had it in one of our staff meetings this week where someone said, I don't really know what I'm called to do. I've just got involved here and I've started helping people and they have an powerful impact upon individuals. So this is what I want to say to you. Some of you are called to help someone else in their vision and it's not just ministry orientated. It's also stuff in the marketplace. Some of you are sitting there and saying, you know what, I don't really know. I don't." But you, you're passionate about what something else is already doing. Like Paul, Paul gets the vision. The Bible says it was an ecstatic vision, powerful. And it was during the, but then others picked up on that. Can I say it to you this way? Whatever God has planned for you will take all of your gifts, will take all of your strengths and emotions. He did not give you abilities only only to have you ignore them in His plan for your life. One of the greatest tragedies in the world today is the number of people that are driving to work every day but never use their God-given talents and abilities in their lives. God did not give them to you to stick them in the ground. Paul had the vision, but immediately those around him picked it up and ran with it. That happens when destiny is there. People sense it and get involved. Can I encourage you in that? There is a God dream that's been put on the inside of you. And if you'll take the time to go through and answer these questions honestly, not try and find the answers that you want, but get honest, you will see the clarity come into your world and you'll find yourself walking on, running on, moving on destiny's road. Can I pray with you in this moment? Father, I pray right now that as you spoke in times past through dreams and visions, as you spoke through the witness of your Holy Spirit, as you sent the umpire of peace into our world, God, you would do it again in these times for every single person under the sound of my voice, that God, we would find our vocation in the marketplace, our vocation in the ministry, wherever it is that you've placed us through taking out the time to ask the question, what now? Now that the busyness and the rush of getting started in 2020 is over, now we can begin to clarify these things so that we can move into that thing that you purpose for us. Help us discover our destiny. Help us stay in contact with our deepest desires and our passions. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.